0: Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, dallas Fort Worth in North Texas. Catholic Radio for your soul on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone. Live from the KATH 910 AM studios in Las Colinas and broadcasting across North Texas on the Guadalupe Radio Network. This is The Good News Show.
1: And good afternoon. This is the Good News Show. It is Monday, May 22nd. We are still in the beautiful month of Mary, uh, this May month. It's a great month to celebrate Our Lady. If you haven't already, you still have some time to even get a novena in if you'd like. My name is Cecil Anderson, and I'm the North Texas Assistant of the Guadalupe Radio Network, and I'm not normally the host of this program. Dave Palmer, the Executive Director, is, but today he's off doing something very exciting. He is at Bishop Lynch, where they are having a kind of gathering of all the community communications, Catholic communications people in the diocese uh, get uh to getting together. And so he's being able to network a little bit about the Guadalupe Radio Network and meet a lot of other amazing people that I'm sure will be featured on the show in the future. So I am flying solo today with some help from Diane. Uh, but our current studio setup is such that we are sharing with our Spanish station. So I'm kind of doing a little bit of everything today. So a little extra exciting, but we have a great show lined up for you. It is the, um, Monday that we have once a month where we have the University of Dallas on and we've been given an interview that Shannon Valenzuela and Ro- that did with Ross do that, who is a columnist, I think, for the New York Times, so it should be a very interesting uh, segment that we're going to have on the second half of the show, and before that we're going to have, uh, I'm very excited to introduce some of the seminarians from Redemptorist Mater Seminary, along with Father Alan McDonald, to talk all about their family festival that's coming on Sunday, June 4th, and we're going to talk all a little bit about Redemptorist Mater Seminary, if you've never heard of them. Uh, it's a really, really interesting uh, way for men to get into the priesthood, so learn a little little bit more about that and also mark your calendars for that June 4th date. Uh, Before all of that, we have a lot of things going on at the Guadalupe Radio Network actually in the next couple of months. Uh, Firstly, for here in North Texas, we have our summer speaker series that's happening on Thursday, July 20th with uh, our very special guest, uh, Father Bill Casey from the Fathers of Mercy. He is going to come and speak with us that evening. If you've never gone to the Summer Speaker Series, it's a lot of fun. We do it at the Frontiers of Flight Museum in Dallas. So it's a very cool venue. You've got airplanes all around you and you get to hear a fantastic speaker while enjoying some wine and hors d'oeuvres. And tickets are actually on sale right now. I'm not sure if we've sold any yet. I have not gotten an email to come through. So if you want to be the very first person to buy tickets for the Summer Speaker Series, you can go to summerspeakerseries.com summerspeakerseries.com and there'll be a button there that'll say buy your tickets here and you can get those and hey maybe if you do it during the show you'll get a shout out as the first person to buy tickets for this year. So Thursday, July 20th at the Frontiers of Flight Museum Uh, we're going to have this beautiful evening with Father Bill Casey and we're also going to honor our Transmitter of the Faith Award recipients which I'm trying to remember now if Dave and I have mentioned this on the air so I'm going to hesitate and not say that in case Dave wanted to be the one to make that news but it's a really very deserving person. So uh, looking forward to that. So SummerSpeakerSeries.com and also we have our share coming up pretty soon in June uh, and so please mark your calendars for that. We do have some volunteer opportunities as usual. We have the call center one day of the week where we have volunteers come in and answer calls from our donors. This is something that we do four times a year to keep Catholic Radio on the air and uh, volunteering is actually a lot of fun. At least I think it's a lot of fun. We have good food, uh, usually a little bit of wine too and you get to talk to people who are really passionate about their faith in Catholic radio. Uh, So Thursday, June 15th is our day that we have volunteers come here to our Las Colinas studios You can sign up for the 7am to 1pm session or the 1pm to 7pm session. You can email us kath at grnonline.com if you want to volunteer for that. And also just mark your calendars to make a donation during that time. We really appreciate it. Summer months can be a little bit rough uh, for a lot of nonprofits, so we appreciate anything that you can do. Uh, Next week is Memorial Day so there will not be a live good news show. We are going to have a pre-recorded one that we're working on now so you can still tune in and hear about the good news in North Texas, uh, but also be relaxing from home, hopefully. Um, I actually have an exciting thing that I get to do this weekend. I'm going to go to the Blessed Stanley Rother Shrine. I'm very excited about that with my young adult group. So hopefully sometime in the future, I can update about that. Uh, Kind of cool to have uh, a blessed um, and hopefully future saint uh, on his way uh, very close to home in Oklahoma City. So uh, looking forward to that. And without further ado, I would love to introduce our guests for this first segment. They're all sitting in front of me here. I have, of course, Father Alan McDonald, who set up this interview, who is uh, at the Redemptuous Mater Seminary. Uh, Father, first off, I would like to say welcome to you. How are you doing?
2: Um, I'm doing very well. Thank you. And thank you for uh, having us and helping us, as always, um, with your support for the seminary and for the festival
1: yes absolutely we're always excited to have you all in and we're so thankful that you uh keep us up to date with all the things that are happening at the seminary uh so first off can you talk a little bit about your role um at the seminary and how long you've been here in dallas
2: well i'm the the vice rector uh, of the seminary father fernando is the rector Uh, the seminary has been opened uh, for 19 years and next year will be our uh, 20th anniversary the 19 years is very uh, important because it's kind of connected also to the last ordination we just had last Saturday. The bishop ordained uh, eight young men, and one of those young men was uh, Father Juan Esteban, who was the 19th to be ordained from the seminary. So 19 years and wow. the 19th uh, priest to be ordained for the Diocese of Dallas. So my role is part of the formation uh, to help Father Fernando uh, to organize events such as the Family Festival and other kind of fundraising events and, and to help... Um, with the, uh, the connection with UD and all the formation with the diocese and all the other work that we have to do there.
1: so Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to ask you to explain kind of what is different about Redemptorist Mater Seminary in just a moment. But I'm th- really glad that you mentioned about the ordinations. I meant to mention that, there was quite a few this last week. Um, well, yeah, you, you said that there were the eight men from the Diocese of Dallas. So congratulations to all of them. And actually one of them is Father uh, Kevin Colker, who is uh, – uh, Paul Coker, who is co-hosts the show here on uh, Guadalupe Radio, with Jeff Shufflebine's brother. So very exciting for all of them, and also the IC's uh ordained three young men as well. So uh, very big weekend for vocations. So it's very, very um, perfect that you all came in. So uh, Father Alan, can you talk a little bit about Redemptorist Mater Seminary? In uh, it's kind of a little bit unique. There's a unique aspect to it.
2: Well, the seminary is uh, both diocesan and missionary. That all the vocations uh, are international and they're connected uh, through the neocatechumenal way. That there's this kind of post baptismal formation to mature in faith, similar to the uh, RCA, and uh, to the uh, primitive catechumenate of old. And this formation prepares them uh, to mature in faith. And in this uh, participation or this formation in maturing in faith, it brings us to a dialogue with the Lord. And part of that dialogue is what is my vocation? Mm-hmm so what happened since the 1960s when since the neocatechism began a lot of vocations were coming out so in 1988 through the encouragement of pope john paul ii the seminaries were first founded since then 122 seminaries have been founded around the world and so the seminary here in dallas was founded in 2004 so bishop graman opened the seminary here and we have 27 young men uh training. And and so what happens is that we go to a meeting in Italy. And then in this uh, meeting, in this retreat of four or five days, uh, in the end we put our name in a basket to offer ourselves to go anywhere in the world. And they take it by lot. So they say, okay, you go here, you go to uh, England, you go to Israel, you go to Rome, you go to Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what happened. So I got uh, sent here in 2008. In 2011, I was ordained for the Diocese of Dallas, oh. and since then we've had uh, another 18 other priests ordained, all working in the Diocese of Dallas in different various parishes, like St. Jude's in Ireland, St. Patrick's, uh, which was my first assignment. But we have now Father Adam there, Santa Clara, uh, St. Augustine. So we've got them everybody working uh, for the diocese, but also a missionary. So we always have also the possibility to go anywhere else in the world where there is a need, mm. and so. Uh, and this is our, the spirit that we have so that we don't get kind of set in, uh, in root, we get rooted here mm. or rooted in wherever. Cause always the temptation is to get rooted in the things of the world. And in the end, once you get rooted, instead of serving the people, the people serve you. Right. And so this idea that we have, that is always to be in movement, like the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit is always in movement. And so this is the spirit of the missionary. And so this is the spirit that we have. So that makes us diocesan, but at the same time that we are missionaries, so that we go wherever the Lord wants us to go, always at the service of the church and always in communion with the with the local bishop. Uh, and at this moment with uh, Bishop Benz.
1: It's such a such a cool thing that it gets to happen. Um, You've obviously got to one of the most exotic places you could have of Dallas, Texas. Of course, <laughs> well, it's a
2: lot hotter than England. <laughs> <laughs> that
1: is true.
2: I'm reaching for the north of England. So yeah. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah, so it's yeah. Much cooler. A
1: little bit of a shock then. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, we're glad to have you here, and we also have two seminarians who are here in Dallas as well. We have uh, Miguel Rodriguez, who is his first time here on the radio, so we're very yes. grateful to have him. And Joseph Rice, who this is your second time, right? Yeah. Uh, so welcome to both. Both of you. Um, let's start with Miguel since you're new to Catholic radio. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your vocation story? Uh, and obviously Father Alan just explained how it is that you end up in Dallas, but can you talk about where you started and how you got here?
3: All right. Thank you. My name is Miguel Rodriguez, as you said. Um, I'm originally uh, from the Dominican Republic, uh, a little town called uh, Mao Valverde. And uh, I mean, I began... Uh, this journey of faith in a small community of the neocatechumenal Way when I was 14 years old. Then growing up, um, I mean, I had many fears, uh, many doubts, um, and I didn't know what vocation to to go for. Um, When I finished my high school, I had also many doubts. uh, And then this uh, journey of faith... uh, we have the you no know, the opportunity to go to youth encounters um uh, such as uh, the world youth day uh, you know but this time it was in a in a national encounter in the Dominican Republic um and then um, there was when you know l- listening to the preaching you know uh, all this um i i mean the lord touched my heart you know i felt like the lord was touching my heart and promising me mm, something you know bigger than what when I had it, what I had in mind. You know, um I didn't had any idea of what to study uh, what to do with anything. Um and then uh all these questions that I had inside my heart in my head and uh, the Lord I felt like the Lord was saying, you know, I have the answer for you in your life. And um uh, and it was when uh you know I um the I, in my heart, I felt like you know the Lord is calling me, you know, to, to follow Him, uh, with a promise and uh and nothing. I, I just went to this retreat, you know, encouraged by catechists you know, and this faith formation, um, you know, leading me uh in my discernment, um, for the vocation for my life, and um and that's when I was invited to go to this retreat that Father Alan was mentioned before in Italy and uh and there uh, i put my name willingly in a basket to go anywhere just you know to to explore to discover you know my vocation and uh and since then i was sent to dallas in 2014 uh i mean i didn't know where i was going <laughs> <laughs> that was my first time going out of my country uh, you know many new things different things and i'm uh, and full of fear you know full many fears in my life um because uh I mean I grew up without the uh, without my father, he died when I was two years old, and then you know with my mom and all that, and I was very attached to my mom, to my family you know and uh and to see how uh the Lord has been doing so many great things uh you know uh leading me when i first when I came to dallas i didn't know any English, you know first when I arrived to the airport, I was like, oh man i don't know what to do <laughs> <laughs> and uh and then you know um the Lord led me you know, through all this time uh, to discover the calling, especially opening the doors for me, you know, learning English, and uh, then uh, opening the doors for me to start philosophy at the University of Dallas, uh, and now I just finished my second year of theology at the University of Dallas, the MD program, Master of Divinity, and so many beautiful things that the Lord has been showing, you know, opening ways um, for the vocation. And with many many difficulties, many struggles, many fears uh, you know like any any other vocation you know when you are looking for for an answer for you know for a path in your life the definitive path and to see how Christ has been faithful and that 's what I have been experiencing in the seminary you know uh, uh, in a, uh, in this formation you know m- meeting uh, encountering many families you know, they pray for us, they support us. For me this is a great um part of the formation, you know, to meet many families eh with their children, uh, you know, and also they come to support us with the seminary, also many families that support us, volunteers, you know, they help us uh, in the in the in the formation, especially with the festival which is a a, a, a major uh, event in our seminary, you know, to raise funds for our seminary because we we get, we get a, a a great support from the diocese. You know that there are two seminaries in the diocese of Dallas: it's mm-hmm. Holy Trinity, Redemptorism Matter. and so um, I mean it's a lot for the diocese. We are twenty-seven seminarians uh, apart from Holy Trinity; that there are other, you know, t- seven, twenty-seven, or thirty, and so you know for us this is something you know also to um, is a great help support because the diocese diocese cannot cover everything you know so we have so many things you know with the university everything we have to eat you know (laughs) all the needs that we have uh, um, and so for us you know to go to the parishes to sell these um, uh, these tickets To invite the families to come and join us to this festival uh, is 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 a major, you know, encounter with the the providence of the Lord. Mm -hmm. You know, to see how God, through the families, uh, through you know many many uh, volunteers that they come and support us and help us in selling these tickets. In many parishes, you know, in in South Dallas, North Dallas, East East Dallas, West Dallas. I mean, everywhere. Uh, and we see how um, the the support and the answer of the people when they when we go we talk in the in the podium and then after the mass they come to us you know to buy the tickets to speak to us to and they ask us for our experience and then I have encountered many families you know with their children. Uh, one thing, you know, in a, in a stage of discerning their vocation, uh, uh, whether to the priesthood or to get married. And, I mean, for me, it's always a joy to give my experience, to tell them how uh, through all these years, because I, I came to Dallas in 2014, uh, and it's been nine years that I'm in the formation at the Redentorist Seminary. And, and to, at the stage that I, I am right now, that the Lord has me, uh, for me, it's a joy. Uh, it's a great joy because uh, it's something that I never I never for i never foresaw in my life, you know, to be in a seminary, to be in the formation, and and everything the Lord has been giving me all the joy, all the joy, all the um, mm, the love, you know, in the midst of sufferings and difficulties and doubts, you know, because we—I mean, it's, it's not that we are already like definitely we have the answer. No, <laughs> the Lord little by little, you know, mm-hmm. He acts. And he, he, he talks to us through the events and through all that we experience uh, in the life of the seminary and the life of the community in the parishes. And yeah, that's more or less, you know. (laughs) Wow.
1: That was a beautiful testimony from, uh, seminary Miguel Rodriguez from the, from Redemptor's Mater Seminary. Um, and they are in our studio today for the Good News Show, uh, to talk about, um, the seminary, of course, but particularly the family festival that is happening on Sunday, June 4th. We're going to get into more of the details of it, but it's a free admission. It's 10 a.m. to 10 p.m., uh, 419 North Cockrell Hill, road in dallas um so we're going to give more details there's also an exciting um raffle that's happening with some pretty fantastic prizes so we're going to talk about that in just a minute but we've heard from one of the seminarians i also want to talk to uh joseph rice his second time being on the air with us uh talk a little bit about uh your story as well uh feeling the call to join the priesthood
4: thank you so much uh, it's good to be back um well for me i'm originally from Colorado. Um, I'm the youngest of seven in my family. And always growing up, the, my family always tried to pass on the faith, no, or pass on some form of what they had received uh, from the church. And also, like Miguel, entering into this um, this way of formation, or this um, this Christian, uh, post-baptismal Christian uh, formation, uh, to receive faith, this neocatechumenal way, I entered around um, 12, 13 years old into a small community where I could um, speak, where I could participate more knowing this, in this uh, Christian life, know of the liturgy of the word, of the community, of the Eucharist. And it's there where the Lord was able to do a work with me, was able to speak to me in my concrete sufferings of being the youngest, of always wanting to to be somebody in my family, and also looking, looking at my um, my brothers, because I have an older brother who's a priest and another brother in the seminary. Um, looking at them and seeing what the Lord was was trying to speak to me was trying, and in um in a a youth encounter world youth day in in Poland in 2016, um, I don't like inside of me I felt this this urge no or this certainty of the Lord, um of the Lord's love no and and, and after that my response was was i'm willing uh, and and then i went to some um a a vocational center where it also was nurturing my 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 vocation or this um this desire that was opened in me by the lord and um and then in 2019 i i went to this um this retreat in uh, in italy uh which is where i put my name in in right um <laughs> And they took me out for Dallas, no? Yes. I didn't want to come to Dallas.
1: Uh. <laughs> we don't have mountains like Colorado. It's not as aesthetically pretty, I would say. <laughs> uh.
4: But to see how the the Lord, right, right when I put this, opened the door a little bit, the Lord took everything. The mm-hmm. Lord provided, the Lord... Um, made everything possible, uh, really, uh, and so for that it was just a confirmation of the Lord for for everything.
1: Hmm. I feel like all of us are called in all of our vocations, obviously, to surrender to God and to do His will. Um, I, I I almost feel like it's more it's freeing. Um, to, to do that, obviously, but, uh, there's anxieties, of course. You didn't know English coming here, Miguel. Uh, so there's a lot of things, but I just love seeing how y'all are speaking about how God has worked, um, through these things and, uh, made it such a blessing for you and y'all a blessing for us as well. Um, Father Alan, I want to talk about the family festival, uh, that's happening Sunday, June 4th. This is the big fundraiser, right? The year for, uh, Redemptress Mater Seminary. Uh, it's gonna have, uh, food, live music, rides, a raffle, and it's a, it's a a big day of fun for the whole family, uh, 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. So, talk a little bit about it.
2: Well, I mean, it's a very beautiful event, and uh, it manifests how we are supported by the families or by the, uh, the people of the Diocese of Dallas, because they are the ones who provide everything. So, on the day before, because we have kind of a small committee that prepares. The, the festival and they're organizing with a lot of people and we think are they going to come are they going to come <laughs> and so the friday evening the saturday and then all these people start arriving another one another one and this and it's such a beautiful thing that we see that uh, the, because this is uh, a confirmation of us for mm-hmm. the mission of uh the seminary the mission of for the for the diocese and for the church but that uh, all our life is to be spent uh, to give our life for the other and these are the families that we are called to serve—the the families, the children, the children's children. So it's very important for us, for the seminarians, to know them, and for the people to know us. So one of the <clears throat> one of the things that we do is also we have a, a tour of the seminary. So if people want to know what is a seminary, how it functions, what is inside a seminary, sure. right? The secrets are exactly. A lot. <laughs> yeah. So we have a tour, and the people can go in and they can receive a tour in English, and they can be to receive a tour in Spanish. Something we started a few years ago is the procession of the Virgin Mary. So normally we do the uh, festival in May. This year it's in June, so we're kind of extending May.
1: <laughs> we are just we can always celebrate Our Lady. <laughs> well,
2: in God there's no time, right? Right, so, exactly.
1: <laughs> he's out of time. <laughs> exactly. So we're
2: kind of using that to do this procession. So, um, so this is the third year that we're doing that. Then people come, we get, we get uh, young children to come, those who have done the first communion. And we give them balloons, and they and it 's a very nice procession, oh yeah, and so we have a little garden that we ha- that we make to the for the Virgin Mary, and so we process there and uh, it 's always with a lot of flowers it's very beautiful and then the food and it's the people that serve, mm-hmm. and this is where love appears right uh, when uh, when we see a sign of communion because this family festival is a sign of communion, and when communion appears, uh christ appears they will know that you are my disciples in how you love one another, mm-hmm. and we feel very much loved. Uh, here and supported by these families and by the people that come and uh, visit the festival. And it's always a joyous occasion. And so that's just why we invite people, people who have never been before, uh, maybe you don't know, maybe you've not heard of who we are, the Redentorist Marta Seminary. Well, now is the chance. Now you can see the house. Now you can visit. Now you can speak to the seminarians. And now you can see uh, and enjoy this. Also, there's music. Uh, We have bands. We have uh, Folklore. There's Paris of St. Monica. They help us. um, So it's very beautiful event. And...
1: Yes, and also a pretty fantastic raffle that's happening. I've got one of the tickets here in my hand. Uh, and not just one prize, not just two prizes, not just three, but eight prizes. So that's pretty fantastic. And, uh, the first one, $5,000 Visa gift card. Second, $3,000 Visa gift card, and uh, 85-inch Samsung TV. I'm trying to imagine how big that is. I'm terrible with measurements, but that's really large. <laughs> that's a very big TV. Um, uh, there's also a $1,000 Lowe's gift card, Children's Backyard Playland package, great for birthday parties I'm sure, a $500 Visa gift card, the, a barbecue grill, and uh, I really like this one, a handcrafted icon made by a seminarian. Is this something that a lot of seminarians know how to do, or is it just a couple? Like How, how does that happen?
2: Well, One of the beautiful things is that um, the spirit of the house is uh, that we have uh, order at La Now work and pray. So many of them come uh, young, um, but some way when they le- learn how to work in the house. So then they start to discover that they have the talents. Some to be uh, carpenters, others to do artwork. work, and it starts to come out naturally in them. So one of the things is that is to make the crafts. So we have like five guys, six guys now. They are working little craft, doing like wood burnings mm. or uh, um working with glass and um, carving, what is it, uh, with a laser and all these kind wow. of things. Uh, I, I nearly said glass carving, but that's, ha- <laughs> that's very hard. But, um, <laughs> and other things like this. And so one of, we have the, a large icon that has been woodcrafted, uh, wood burned by one of the seminarians. And it's very pretty. Uh, it's very beautiful. Mm-hmm. And we've been doing that for the last four or five years also. So
1: that's awesome. And I, uh, you know, whoever wins that is also going to be able to look at that all the time and not only be obviously have their thoughts raised to heaven, but also get to pray for the seminarians too. They'll be reminded of them. So it's uh, such a beautiful thing. Uh, we're talking, uh, about the Redemptorist Mantra Seminary Family Festival that's happening Sunday, June 4th. Uh, it is going to be from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. There's a, um, uh, Merry crowning in procession uh, at 12 p.m. There's going to be food, live music, rides, and this raffle. And it's a whole bunch of fun for the whole family. And it is at the seminary at 419 North Cockrell Hill Road in Dallas. And it's free admission. And I'm sure when you get there, there's you can just pay for the different individual things. Uh, yeah. They
2: will buy uh, tokens. So we have token booths. And oh, okay. It's very easy. Uh, it's very straightforward. And we have two token booths. Um, that's very accessible. Yeah.
1: So. Awesome. And I we also have uh that was the voice of Father Alan McDonald, who is the vice uh was it vice, vice rector vice rector uh at the seminary and we have two of the seminarians here as well, Miguel Rodriguez and Joseph Rice. So on the day of the family festival, what do you all have certain duties that you're going to be doing?
4: Yeah. yeah, so um some of us go and uh pick up trash and others. <laughs> the very humble needed, one. Yeah, it has right? to happen. Um, <laughs> and um others do uh do parking um others um are in inside the seminary booth because we will have a seminary booth where we not only do we have this one um very beautiful large uh icon uh for the raffle but we do various um various uh icons and various uh crafts that you can you can get um so we'll have a booth there with various um uh artwork and and different things that that can be purchased and we have tours as well um so as as father allen was saying where where we take the take the people to all the crevices crevices of the house uh <laughs> where they can see um also because w- at least i've seen it you now this that in the in the parishes or just in the in the faithful um or in the brothers um and sisters that maybe they don't know what a seminary is, as Father right. Alan was saying, or 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 what uh, um, what it looks like, or they've never been inside one, or they don't know what um what we do. We just sit praying all day. But there's a lot, um, and so this is a is a way that we, out of the love that we have for our house and for for um our seminary, we can share that, um, and and then the brothers who come. Their love that they have for us, they share that with us, and in that aspect, we have this this communion, and we share in a day of of of, of rejoicing, of joy, uh, of fun, and of, of most importantly, of communion.
1: Or either of you the want to help make the icons? Yeah, you I, do? I do. Okay, awesome. Yeah. So you do the card- wood carving ones? I or do you- on glass. On glass. Wow. Icons wow. That's glass. awesome. Um, well, we only just have a couple minutes left with uh, you all. Is there anything else about the Family Festival on June 4th that we need to make sure that we mention, or about Redemptorist Mater Seminary that we haven't talked about already?
2: I think uh, one is that we want to express our gratitude. <laughs> for all the people that help us uh for your help also yours every year uh, you allow us to come to the, to the radio to uh, to be interviewed and uh also for the later we'll have a spanish interview too yes. so and and so we're, so we're grateful and uh because this brings community brings life and uh, you're saying about the ordinations um uh, they saying that the church is alive mm-hmm. and if the church is alive it's because Christ is risen Right, and this is what we are celebrating. We're still in Easter, people forget. Yes, right? happy, Easter. happy Easter. Exactly, <laughs> happy Easter. And so this is what uh, why the seminary exists, is because Christ is risen. Hmm. And he says, go out to the whole of the world, announcing the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And that is the heart of the seminary, right? And that's why we invite people and we encourage people to pray for us. Because even though it's a fundraiser, but what's also essential is the prayers. Mm. Because it's you know they come many times without knowing English. They've got to study here at UD and all these many things and the normal uh, dynamics of life, tensions of life, you know, and uh, and just to, to pray for the seminary, to pray for the seminary, to pray for Holy Trinity. Yeah, because we work in collaboration, and everything is for is for always the good of the mission and the good of the mission of the church. So we invite people to come and see. You know, Christ says that to the apostles, right? They they go to him, so where are you going, Master? Where are you going? And he turns around to them and says, come and see. So we say that to the people, come and see, and you will have a beautiful day. And you will meet the seminarians, and uh, the tours are fantastic, really. And the, the the house is busy all day. It's all day. And it's such a such a beautiful event for us, such a consolation and a, such a sign of support from the people of God, mm. right, who um, understand very much the importance of the vocation of the priesthood.
1: Absolutely. I hope that a lot of our listeners, uh, make a big crowd out at the family festival on Sunday, June 4th at Redemptorist Monte Seminary. Um, you can find more information about it also on their website as well, which is rmdallas.org. Is that correct? rmdallas.org. I have it in front of me, I think. And you can find the flyer there. Uh, there's also some very attractive pictures of quesadillas and tacos and nachos. So just to get yourself ready for it. So uh, it's 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. on June 4th. Um, come out for just a beautiful day of celebrating our faith and community, um, get to tour the seminary, meet the seminarians uh, and be able to pray for them and support uh, this beautiful mission that we have. Um, so, thank you all so much for coming in. Uh, thank you for coming back and Miguel, thank you for coming for your first thank time you. and uh, good luck on the Spanish interview now they you can compare both of them and be like, oh, which one was better? <laughs> um, but uh, So grateful to have you all here in Dallas. Uh, again, the Family Festival, Sunday, June 4th uh, at Redemptor's Mater Seminary. Uh, we're going to be taking a quick break and when we come back I'll introduce the uh, interview that Shannon Velazuela did for the UD segment this month we'll be back with the good news show right after this
0: Hello, this is Steve Gleason, your Wednesday host of A Life Lived Joyfully, presented by the Guadalupe Radio Network. Join us Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. Central, 4 p.m. Eastern, as we begin with the Divine Mercy Chaplet, followed by A Life Lived Joyfully. We're going to explore the call to holiness and the life of virtue. And be sure to call in with your questions during our open line segment. That number is 877-757-9424. That is 877-757-9424. The GRN welcomes our new sponsor, Camp Subiaco. Camp Subiaco is a summer camp for boys ages 9 to 13. The week is busy with go-karts, zip lines, campouts, canoeing, shotguns, 22s, swimming, and boating. Camp Subiaco is all boy. Imagine spending a week at Subiaco Abbey in Arkansas, jumping off a cliff at Hidden Pool, canoeing on Third Lake, spending the night under the stars at the old monastery site. Give your son the gift of Camp Subiaco. Sign up now at campsubiaco.org.
5: Do you need a new branding strategy that allows you to educate and engage with your local community while building trust and credibility? Decided Excellence Catholic Media offers a very unique branding platform which showcases you as the expert in your industry. Our exclusive publications are open, read, kept, and shared with thousands of readers in communities throughout Texas and nationwide. To learn more about our powerful branding solutions, please contact Doreen Chaney at dchaney at decidedexcellence.com. That's D-C-H-A-N-A-Y at decidedexcellence.com.
0: Hi, this is Dave Palmer here at KTH 910 AM. Isn't it wild how quickly time flies by? Before long, it's going to be summertime. Triple-digit Texas heat, kids out of school, summer vacations, and, oh yeah, the 15th annual Summer Speaker Series event benefiting this station. Believe me, by Thursday, July 20th, you are going to be so ready to get out, sip some wine, and eat some tasty food with your friends, and listen to an awesome presentation by Father Bill Casey of the Fathers of Mercy. Get your tickets today at summerspeakerseries.com. Faith and charity are key elements of life, but are they at the center of your financial decisions? With the Knights of Columbus, you can pursue financial stability, but more importantly, you can do so in a way that is compatible with the Catholic teaching. For more than 140 years, they have helped families guard their financial future. Today, they have expanded their offerings to include retirement annuities, long-term care insurance, and disability income insurance. Your faith can inspire your financial decisions. Terms and conditions apply. You can learn more by calling Chris Stark at 844-656-1492. Hi, this is Dave Palmer. We have recently started up an ambassador program here at 9:10 a.m. with a group of volunteers who help us keep in touch with parishes in the Dallas and Fort Worth Diocese. Ambassadors help us serve the parishes by promoting their events and news and also make sure that everyone at the parish knows that Catholic Radio is on the air here in North Texas. If you have a few hours a week to devote to being one of our new ambassadors, please email kath at and we can tell you more about the program and see if it's a good fit for you.
1: And welcome back to the Good News Show. This is Cecil Anderson, filling in for Dave today, um, for, who usually hosts this program. And I was so happy to be able to speak with the Redemptorist Mater uh, Seminary uh, folks just a few minutes ago. Make sure you go to the Family Festival on Sunday, June 4th. Uh, but it's also the fourth Monday of the month, which is always the University of Dallas segment. So, Shannon Valenzuela has sent over an interview that she did with uh, Ross Duthat, who is... Um, it has a, had a job at the New York Times uh and a beautiful house in Connecticut countryside. And then he had a mysterious illness and he uh, suddenly his life was just not quite the same. And so in this interview, they're going to go into that. And how did he rec- go on from there? So uh very excited to hear this uh, discussion between Shannon and Ross. And we'll listen to that right now.
6: Sure. So the, the nutshell version is that basically, uh, in 2015, my wife and I and then our two daughters were living in Washington, DC, uh, where I had lived since college. And we were both from New England, from Connecticut originally. And we had this sort of fantasy of moving back to the Northeast and buying a New England style house in the country with a barn and stone walls and all of those kind of things. Um, and we decided to do it to basically make the fantasy real. And while we were in the process of buying a 1790s farmhouse, um, about an hour and a half from, from New York City in the Connecticut countryside. I suddenly fell ill, um, with a very strange set of symptoms. Um, just a weird mix of migratory pain, um, you know, problems in every system in my body. It seemed like from my head to my bowels to my muscles. Uh, and we were still in Washington at the time. We had bought the house, but we hadn't yet moved. And while we were there, I basically saw, you know, 10 or 15 doctors in a span of two or three months. Um, and nobody could figure out what was wrong with me. And basically, the best anyone could come up with was that I was under a lot of stress. And this was somehow some sort of mind body meltdown, and I needed to see a psychiatrist or take antidepressants, these kind of things, which I which I did. Um, You know, when you're feeling as badly as I felt, you're happy to seize on any diagnosis, even if it doesn't seem quite plausible given the symptoms. Uh, so that was sort of the the mystery illness phase, which is something that a lot of people in our society uh, who have chronic illness go through, often for much longer than I did, spending years with, you know, strange illnesses that they can't get diagnosed. In my case, once we got to Connecticut, once we sort of dragged ourselves to this dream house that now seemed a little more like the Overlook Hotel from The Shining to us. Um, I did I did basically get a diagnosis because the doctors in Connecticut said, ah, well, you know, this seems a lot like something we see all the time, which is Lyme disease, which is this mm-hmm. illness carried by ticks that is named for a small town on the Connecticut shoreline where it was discovered in the 1970s, but now is is actually sort of endemic all over the Northeast, down into parts of the South and the Midwest, and there are cases all over the country. So it's sort of a fast-growing, a fast-growing fast disease, um, and it has extremely weird symptoms. And it's you know you get a tick bite, and then you know it sort of slowly, slowly spreads throughout your body, causing havoc along the way. Um, but it's also an incredibly controversial disease because there's this deep disagreement about whether to continue treating it if you take four to six weeks of antibiotics and don't feel better. And most people who have it take that course of antibiotics and do feel better or mostly better uh, and go on with their lives. But let's say 10 to 20 percent of people are still sick. Uh, And the official CDC view is that if you're one of those people, there isn't anything else to be done um, except wait and hope that you get better. And then there is a large group of sort of dissident outsider doctors who say, no, you know, if people, if you treat someone for an illness and they still have the same symptoms afterward, they probably still have the same illness and you need to continue treating it. And so that was sort of the, a big part of the story of the book is sort of entering ever more deeply into the fringes <laughs> of modern medicine and, um, taking, taking antibiotics, multiple antibiotics, and weird combinations for long periods of time, doing other stranger things uh, that lots of people, not just with Lyme disease, but other illnesses try, and eventually very gradually getting better to the point where, you know, I'm seven years later, I'm probably in 99 to 95% of my prior shape. Um, but it's sort of a, it's it was a both a sort of Brutal, extremely painful process and also a highly educational one about them both sort of the mysteries yeah. of illness and also just sort of the weird territory that exists in between firm scientific consensus and, um, you know, sort of sort of fantasy and, and fringe ideas. There's actually a lot of space in between the two. And I lived in that territory to my great surprise for many, many years.
5: That's a fascinating story, and can you maybe walk us through a little bit of like what that landscape was like? how you managed to work through not just those physical challenges but also perhaps the the spiritual ones or the, the psychological ones that, that kind of come along with this territory
6: yeah I mean there's just a range of those challenges right there's sort of the the basic psychological challenge um, is just you know figuring out how to both sort of maintain your own equilibrium, but also function in relationships, in a marriage, you know, as a father, we had our third child, basically, just as my my wife literally discovered she was pregnant the same day that my weird symptoms started. Um, and that, you know, that kind of challenge is not a challenge that's confined to the sick person themselves. It's a challenge for their spouse and family and, you know, whatever entire miniature community exists around them. And part of it is just a challenge of sort of uncertainty and belief, right? Where Mm -hmm. if you, are not, if you're sick and are not sure what's wrong with you and have, you know, either a mystery or then a contested condition. On the one hand, you're always questioning yourself, right? Am I really Mm -hmm. sick? Are these things I'm doing working? Is this all in my head? Um, You know, am I crazy, Um, etc. And then of course, the people around you are inevitably asking, asking the same questions. And I made the, you know, the Stephen King reference, right? Like, you know, if you're my wife, you sort of have to decide, you know, is this person who you are now trapped with in this house in the country? <laughs> you know, are they a sick person who you need to take care of? Are they Jack Nicholson? Yeah. You know, sort of the the writer sitting there, you know, saying all work and no play makes Ross a dull boy. Um, <laughs> they, you know, they, those are, yeah. that, that's sort yeah. of the, the, a, a core set of challenges. Um Then there's the intellectual challenge and the sort of, you know, almost you could say scientific challenge, which is that in order to get better from an illness that is poorly understood, you know, you can find doctors who help you. And I did. And they were crucial to my gradual recovery. But you also have to, in certain ways, effectively become your own doctor to, you know, every every course of treatment for a chronic illness is going to be sort of distinctive to the patient. And you have to experiment and try and read your own responses to treatments to try and figure out okay. which paths are, you know, leading nowhere and which are leading you, leading you somewhere better. And that that is its own. It's not, you know, there's sort of a sense of like, I think, from the outside that, you know, when you're sort of experimenting on the fringes of medicine, you're doing this sort of woo woo spiritual stuff. Um, and. You know, obviously, there's a lot of a lot of sort of mind body stuff that people do as they try and get better. But for me, the experience was much more was always just sort of intensely physical and empirically grounded in the sense that I was literally taking pills and trying to chart my own reactions to them <laughs> over Everybody. months and months and years and years. Um and then, yeah, there's, then there's the, the sort of the spiritual challenge of suffering. And, you know, I was in pain, severe pain of varying kinds for a, you know, what is now, I guess, a big chunk of my life. I had never had an experience like that before i was a religious person who had a lot of ideas about suffering and theodicy and why you know what uh, why god might allow suffering all those kind of things how you should think about trials and tribulations but you know all of that is abstract and um not at all like what the actual experience itself is like um and i would say that you know in certain ways the experience deepened my faith, um, almost by necessity, you know, whether or not God exists, believing that he exists and that what you're going through is part of a story, part of a test or a trial is really, really important for getting through that test and that trial. Um, but then it also, you know, there's, there's a certain kind of fear of God that, when your life, when you're a religious person, but your life is pretty comfortable and things are going pretty well, you don't really have, it's like, you know, God is sort of your life coach then Mm -hmm. cheering you on. Um, and when you, when your body is in pain all the time, uh, whatever God is doing for you or to you or both, it's something different. And, you know, you hope that it's for a good end, but it's a fearful thing, Mm -hmm. uh, in a way that I had never experienced before.
5: Yeah, that's so fascinating. I, and I I love how you mentioned there the this the sort of trust that somehow this is part of a of a story, trust that there is there is an author or that there, there is someone who is writing that uh that story and it it will eventually make sense what's going on. Um it, it's is is a really interesting I think uh approach. And maybe we can kind of unpack that a little bit by by talking about the the title of the first chapter of of your book. Um the the title of the chapter is A Dark Wood. Um, which, which raises up uh, specters of Dante in my mind and the Inferno and things like that. And I was wondering if you, if you could just describe like, the choice of that, that particular title as you kind of set the stage for, for your story. And do you feel like it's, it's a way of expressing you know, what we might call the dark night of the soul or some sort of experience like that where we're being lost in this, this dark entangled place where you're searching for the path, the path out. Um, so maybe we could talk about that, that metaphor of the dark wood a little bit.
6: Yeah, I mean, it's, it was actually one of the titles I considered for the whole book, um, and worried almost that it was too obvious. <laughs> but the, you know, I mean, it, you know, and you're obviously playing on the fact that Lyme disease is a disease of the woods, um, mm-hmm. of the forest. I, I think I, I say in the book, you know, that there are sort of fairy tale overtones to the whole thing. You go into the mysterious forest and come out transformed. And, you know, I found myself just even watching sort of Disney movies differently once Mm -hmm. this had happened, you know, things like the princess and the frog or beauty and the beast, or, you know, the, the Rapunzel in her tower entangled, all of those things, they just play, they play a little differently when you have actually like gone into the the woods (laughs) and, and come out sort of a prisoner in your own, in your own body. Um, and and that also I think is one one thing that also makes people skeptical about some of these narratives, that they seem too mm-hmm. too fairy tale-ish. It's like, oh yeah, sure, mm-hmm. there's a monster that lives in the Connecticut woods and you know <laughs> it's gonna get you if you aren't careful. That's that's it's too season-king, right? It's too much like that. Right. So all of that is in play. Um, I think in in the story and the real the sort of specifics of Lyme disease, this sort of weird link between geography um geography and physiology and suffering um and then you know i mean this happened to me, I was entering my late thirties, right it's you know how Dante starts it, you know it's the middle of his life, and he finds himself in the dark wood, and the straight way was lost, and on a personal level, that was. Totally how I experienced this. I had had sort of a, a young adulthood of, um, sort of relative clarity. I, you know, I entered a profession and did well in it. I married the woman I fell in love with in college. Um, you know, we, I, I had a dream job at the New York Times, uh, that I got at a, at a ridiculously young age. Um, and, Things, it wasn't just that things had gone well, they had sort of gone well along a pretty clear path, right? If you'd mm-hmm. said to me in college, what do you want from your life? What are you planning to do? Um, I, you know, the idea of sort of, of, of having the kind of career in journalism that I'd had would have been the plan, right? And then, on top of that, this, this, this sort of personal plan that we were going to, you know, sort of succeed in the big city in Washington DC and then sort of have our, have our rural retreat where we could, you know, raise our kids far from the corruptions of the beltway, <laughs> right? Like that was the plan. Yeah. And, and that was, and, and we did it. And I had, you know, I had this. This friend who when we bought the house, he was like, Oh my God, you know, Ross, everybody everybody talks about like, oh, we're gonna move to the country or we have this dream mm-hmm. and you know, you're thirty-five years old and you've actually done it, right? And and that I yeah. felt pretty proud of that. Um, and then suddenly you just the path goes away. And the plan the plan doesn't just fail, it literally leads to total disaster, um, incredible stress on our marriage uh you know physical suffering, intellectual mystery um and a somewhat transformed view of the world um but but part of it is just you're sort of wandering in places that you wouldn't have spec- expected to be wandering in and you know the other metaphor I use in the book is this sort of image of of you know sort of life and medical knowledge as this kind of house where you know you had you're if things are going well, you're up in the HGTV living room, you know, the floor, the floor is solid beneath you. You know, the countertops are, are nice, a little, you know, reclaimed wood over there and some granite over there. And then you sort of fall through the floor into Mm -hmm. these other worlds. And, you know, one world is this sort of basement where, you know, you're in the world of sort of dissenting medicine, but you still, there's still sort of signposts and people who seem to know what they're doing. And you can imagine sort of finding a ladder back up to normalcy. Um, but then even weirder things happen and you go down, you know, all the way down into the, you know, the under basement <laughs> where you don't know what's going on. It's weird shapes in the darkness and you're just sort of groping around. Um, so those, that too is sort of, yeah, a sort of image I, I played with, but, But yeah, it's a transition from or sort of a sudden transition from a life where it seems clear what you're doing and where you're going and what you're trying to do to a world where you really are groping and sort of looking for guides to get you back to the path, but it may be an a somewhat different path than the one you were on before.
5: And, and it seems like you know, anytime we kind of walk through those those places, um, it is transformative. I love I love the the mention of the fairy tales. You know, like looking at them differently because fairy tales, you know, they they look very nice when they're packaged as as Disney movies, but they're actually quite terrifying. This transformative uh, sort of path that these characters end up on and needing to navigate their way to the other side can be quite quite a terrifying journey and so you know i think it's it's interesting that that uh, that sort of meant more or meant differently uh to you through this experience and so maybe coming back around then to that question about the dark night of the soul or some sort of like a spiritual crisis you touched on this a little bit earlier about the way in which you transform your understanding of faith and suffering and how do we understand suffering from a position of faith or from a perspective of faith
6: yeah, I mean, I think t- I think two things can be true at once, right? It it's on the one hand, it it can be true, and I think it pretty clearly is true mm-hmm. that there is meaning in suffering. That suffering educates you, <laughs> it teaches <laughs> yeah. you things that you didn't know. It asks you to sort of test your own limits physically and psychologically in ways that ordinary healthy life does not. It, you know, it exposes problems. It sort of, it, it removes, you know, it sort of, it makes you less, more it makes you more appreciative of the basic good things in life. Like there was this period when just, you know, that the, the nature of the, the, the weird nature of my own symptoms. There's a lot of variation in these in symptoms with Lyme disease, um, but my own symptoms were heavily sort of muscular, musculoskeletal pain. So it was like your body, my body was like this kind of cage, right? Mm-hmm. And certain basic things, certain basic kinds of relaxation that you just sort of take for granted, like the ability to collapse on the couch and watch TV, the ability to sleep through the night, like, not not the great pleasures of existence, but, but <laughs> yeah, the that things basic. that when you're healthy, you're like, okay, well, I push myself and then I get tired and and I sort of can rest. But it, I couldn't really rest. I couldn't relax. I couldn't lie down with a book, like any of these things, right? So you, you appreciate these incredibly basic things about existence, these incredibly basic features of human relationships, all of these things in a new way. Um, and... And all of that is, in a sense, you know, it, it, it's a kind of, it makes a kind of case for suffering. Like you can, you, w- when you mm-hmm. suffer in some ways, you understand more why a benevolent God might allow it to exist, right?
5: Mm-hmm.
6: On the one hand. On the other hand, suffering is unbearable. <laughs> and, yeah. and, I, you know, I think and and my suffering, uh, you know, I mean, I, I do think that the kind of suffering associated with some of these chronic illnesses is much worse than people outside it understand it to be. Yes. And one of the things I'm trying to do in the book, since I didn't understand it before I went through it, is convey just what what a unique kind of torture some of these conditions can be. So it's really bad. At the same time, you know, I did eventually get better it did not kill me as yet. Right. It's, you know, I was Mm -hmm. at my worst for sort of two to three years, which in, you know, is not the worst thing that can happen to someone, right? Like people, Mm -hmm. people get illnesses and, and could live for 40 years with them. They, you know, people, people go through many worse things than I went through is what I'm, what I'm trying to say. And, you know, I can't tell you that, had I remained in that place of maximal suffering, that I would have felt that I had learned anything from it or that that I had gained anything from it. Right. I certainly learned something from it, but in order to feel like I had gained anything, it had to get better. Yeah. Right. So, so, and that was sort of the, you know, the, the sum total of my spiritual life in those worst periods, you know, there was no sort of like, You know, prayer as communion with the divine, or anything like that. All I did was beg. I went into churches. (laughs) I went to mass. I, you know, prayed here and there and everywhere. And I just begged for God to make it better, right? And so, I I think that there is probably a much a you know a form of sainthood (laughs) that is absolutely beyond me, in which you could achieve a kind of a kind of spiritual and personal equilibrium with a form of suffering that just doesn't go away but that wasn't what i what happened to me what happened to me was you know at my worst i just begged and then because i was able to get better i felt like i could you know take something from the experience and sort of integrate it into a story about my life and this this situation's meaning within it um but if I hadn't you know if I was still as sick as I was four years ago, um, we would be having a very different kind of conversation yeah
5: yeah no and I think there's something something really true about that right every every person's journey through these places um, is is unique to them, and we can learn so much right from from hearing about another's journey through these kind of dark places in, in life. But ultimately, everyone's journey is, is very individual, right? And we, we kind of have to find our own path through. It's not going to look like everybody else's, I guess, is what I'm saying, right? Is It's it's such an individual process of, of um, taking strength where we can find it, I guess, uh, from, from watching other people who, who have made it through, um, but that we, we ultimately need to find our own, our own path. Did you feel at all like there was a particular model that you were looking at from from the scriptures or from other stories that you knew that you found yourself gravitating?